Well, good morning. It is good for us to be here again today. And it's kind of been one of those days, and it's began um, not in a good way for me personally. I suffered this morning greatly. Um, I went to the uh, Dunkin' Donuts store um, hoping to get a Bavarian cream donut. The girl behind the counter asked me, hey, you want a Bavarian cream donut? And what's that other one you always get every Sunday morning when you come in here? I said, classic cake donut. She said yes, and she was instructing a new person. So she took a Bavarian cream donut off the shelf, tore it in half, looked inside. Yes, in fact, it was a Bavarian cream, threw that one in the trash, and said, go ahead and get him one of those. <laughs> and she was making fun of me, but in a good way. And then she gave me my coffee, and I promptly came to church and put coffee for the love of my life in the middle of her desk and said, here's her coffee. Walked into my desk and, and poured mine all over the floor, not intentionally, but there was my coffee from Dunkin' Donuts all over the floor. And I thought, this is a travesty. The enemy is surely against me today. And then, as I came in here to do the run-through, my voice kept going and going and going. And I thought, I know the enemy is against me today. And I gave um, our producer, Michael, a copy of the um, sermon so we knew when everybody was supposed to come out and everything. And as soon as I handed it to him, it went to fall on the floor. But him, being of quick reflexes and sound mind, snatched it out of the air and fought the enemy back. And so that did not fall on the ground. So either this is going to make a lot of sense to you or it's going to fall on the ground what I'm about to share with you this morning. But I'm excited because the enemy is doing all kinds of things against me today and doesn't want me to share this with you, and I want to read it. I want to share it. I want to speak it, but I want you to watch this first. Is that not the most peaceful, wonderful thing that you've seen? Does that not make you just inside go, yes, Father, I feel restful today. And that, like a swan floating on the lake, does it for me. Now, there's a, there's a rumor going around that the reason I'm selling my motorcycle is because I want to do that, and I want you to know that that is absolutely false, okay? Um, there's other reasons for the motorcycle. However, I'm not getting any younger, and if I'm going to do that, I probably should do it soon. But... I want to use that to start off and just challenge you just a little bit because we're doing a sermon series called God, This We Believe. And in the course of this whole sermon series, we're going to talk about the things that we believe and why we believe and the things that we believe about God and why we believe these things about God. And so I wanted to launch with something that, that demanded faith. Because we say faith around here all the time. Or we say, I believe all the time. And I, I've been listening to Rich Mullen all week and crying and asking God why I can't go home now and, and all of those kinds of things. When's the trumpet going to blow? And who's going to get saved? And, and where can we go to reach you? And we want to do your work, Lord. But seriously, God, I am so hungry for home. And, and Rich Mullins does that for me. So the worship team just knocked it out of the park with the Apostles' Creed. That was absolutely amazing. Um, but I wanted to launch with something that required faith. 
Did you see that young man in the red suit? And he walks up to the edge and he has to stand there for a moment. And at that point right there, he can say the things that you and I say all the time. I believe. I believe. I have faith. I believe. And he is standing on the precipice looking down into however many hundreds or thousands of, of feet down into that valley. And as long as he stands there on the edge of that precipice, he can say he believes all he wants to. It doesn't mean a thing. Same thing is true with our faith in Christ. As long as we're standing right here where it's safe, and it's not always really safe to stand on the edge and look over like this because sometimes you get the woozes, you know, and you're like, whoa, it's doing this, okay? And you might jump when you won't, don't want to. But at some point, your faith requires something of you. In the Vineyard Movement, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And at some point, that kid, that young man in that red flying suit had to jump off that cliff and he had to put his faith in action. He had to do something with it. He didn't just have it inside of him. As peaceful and as serene as that looked, and they were just like flying around and doing that stuff, you have to understand he's probably moving somewhere close to 182 miles an hour. And then you get a feeling for, whoa, they're clipping right along, aren't they? Now, obviously, the, the wingsuit slows them down a little bit. But it's just more, a whole lot more like um, controlled falling than it is flying. It really is. But it turns into flying pretty fast, and it's pretty amazing. This man jumped off this cliff, and he put his faith in that suit. But as we go through the sermon series, I'm talking about what, your, what about your faith in God? I'm talking about what about your faith in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on Calvary for you? Is it affecting the manner in which you live and act. I'm talking about faith in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit who is also God? And remember, the Holy Spirit is not our step and fetch it boy. He is God. He deserves to be talked to, spoken of, and treated with respect because he is God the Spirit. We believe that. What about your faith in marriage? What about your faith in your friends? What about your faith in the church. We're going to talk about our faith and what we believe around here and what's going on, but what do you believe in? Stop and think about that for a second. What do you believe in? I'm not talking about what you academically acknowledge. I want to know what you actually believe in. I want you to wrestle over the next couple of weeks with what do you actually believe in? Now, I'm not saying that at the end of this series you're probably going to go to Bible college or go off to seminary or something like that because more people did not go with Paul than ever went with Paul. But the places where Paul planted churches, they grew. And they didn't grow because Paul was there because usually after two or three years he'd leave. And he'd leave somebody in charge. And people believed it so much, they went out and they began to tell people about the Lord. They didn't just wait for their opportunity. They said, listen, I have to tell people, Jesus um, healed me from this demonic. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. The apostles laid hands on me, and I got up and walked, and I could see, and I could hear, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and spiritual things began to happen. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. And one of the things that I want to start with today is a question in the book of Matthew in chapter 14. And so I'm going to read this to you. It's probably one of my absolute favorite stories to preach from. And I could probably preach, you know, sideways about seven different messages from this. 
And it is one that I go back because there are so many different theological points inside of this story that we can go back and grab a hold of that we dare not just read through our, our Bibles and just go, oh, that was a great story, that was a great story. Wonderful time with you, Jesus. But look at what's going on in Matthew 17, beginning down at verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus, knelt before him, and he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures, and in suffering greatly, he often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples that they could do, uh, excuse me, they could not heal him. And this is Jesus' response. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long, Jesus said, shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. The disciples said to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why could we not do that, Lord? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. I'm talking about your faith over the next couple of weeks. You have so little faith. You have so little belief that what you can do would affect anybody's life and do anything. Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Holy Spirit, we just ask and pray right now that you would come and fall upon our hearts. I just pray, Lord, that you begin to break down the things inside of me. Continue to do what you've been doing this week. I pray that you would continue to break down our hearts in this congregation as we come in here seeking for something, God. I pray that you would become very real to us, not because we don't believe you if you don't give us proof. God, I believe. At times I say, help my unbelief, but God, I believe. Help me, O oh Lord, to walk in that belief. I ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. And so we've got this picture of what's going on in us. And this is a story. Jesus goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and this story unfolds as he's coming down. While he's up there, amazing spiritual and supernatural things happen on top of that mountain. And he's only got Peter, James, and John up there with him. They come down. The other nine disciples are down there trying to interact with the man whose son um, is possessed of a demon. And please don't think that that does not happen any longer, any more than I don't believe that God is still God. It happens. We don't recognize it, we write it off, we get a Hollywood view of it, we discount it, all kinds of things take place in our lives, but the fact of the matter is those things still very much happen. And as Jesus comes down to the mountain, the Father comes to him and says, would you please do something? Your disciples are incapable. And he goes ahead and heals the, the young man and he makes some statements. How long will I stay with you? He calls him a perverse generation. And it's like, wow, what's going on here? He calls them an unbelieving generation. Then he turns to his disciples and says, the reason you can't do this is because you have little faith. Now, if, if, you, if you take the time to do a little bit of study, and, and the truth of the matter is, the scripture tells us to study to show ourselves approved, not read to show yourself approved. The scripture challenges us to study to show ourselves approved. Not just do a, a cursory glance in your, your quiet time, but we are called to study and get involved in the Word and see what's going on. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this unbelieving and perverse thing. You know, why does Jesus talk so mean to them? And what is it he's trying to say to them? Is he mad at the people or is he mad at his disciples? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know that he's mad, but he is speaking to his disciples and he's trying to make a point unbelieving as much as he's speaking to us unbelieving simply means he says you unbelieving he's speaking this is a characteristic when he says that it is a characteristic of the generation and it's the generation you and i live into we go to church 
we say our prayers, we recognize that there's a God, we, we kind of believe that there's a God, but not to the point that it costs us much more than reposting a meme on Facebook, right? I mean, come on, not much more than that. And so Jesus is speaking to these people. The concept where he says, hey, um, you're a perverse generation, that doesn't mean they're, they're, they're sick. That's a phrase that means that your unbelief is not born out of ignorance, but your unbelief is born out of the fact that you've seen incredible things happen, but you still are making a conscious choice to not believe. That's what that means. That's not a sexual reference at all. He's referring to the fact that this is an unbelieving generation, and he takes it from unbelieving to perverse a step further, okay? And, and what he's saying is, you, you see this, you recognize it, but you've chosen not to believe it. And it's like, wow. And so as this, this whole week, I've been thinking, is this me, God? Because he goes, there, he goes from there, and he sashays right into, you have such little faith. And so I've been challenging myself. What kind of faith do I have? Is it anemic? Jesus isn't saying they don't have any faith. He's saying your faith is small. And then he makes this statement about, you know, if you had the faith of a, of a mustard seed, then you could just tell this mountain to, to go and it would, good, it would go. And I wonder, do you know what the faith of a mustard seed looks like? Do you know what a mustard seed looks like? This is what a mustard seed looks like. It's this big. This is how big a mustard seed is over in, in the Holy Lands. It's that big right there. It's barely the crust in your eye. I mean, think about it for a second. You know, you wake up and your wife says, you going out of the house like that? And you're thinking, do I look good? She goes, you know, the crusty thing in your eye. Get rid of it. You're embarrassing us all. Come on. And so you flick something out of your eye that's about that big. That's a mustard seed. In one point, Jesus said the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, and yet it grows up into a tree in the garden that is so big that all the birds can come and make their nests in it. And what you've got next to it is a mustard, a mustard tree in the Middle East. That's a mustard tree in the Middle East. Google it. Look it up. Don't take my word for it ever. What does the Bible say about what the Bible says? Look at that. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you had that much um, faith right there, that little round thing, then you could say to that mountain behind that tree, move on, and it actually would move on. Now, commentaries will tell you that metaphorically, Jesus is suddenly speaking that if you had enough faith that you could overcome all of the things that come against you metaphorically. My problem with that is he did not cast out a demon metaphorically. So he doesn't go from casting out a demon still there with the child and suddenly go into a metaphor that you could do greater things than what I just did with this demon. Jesus really believes that if you had the faith of that mustard seed, you could cast that mountain into the sea, as one gospel says. Now, it's not a matter of saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's not that. It's the kind of faith that gets inside of you and is rooted so deep that you just act out of it because you actually believe it. It's the kind of faith that you put on that little um, red suit that that guy was flying in. You walk up to the, to the edge and you're talking to your buddy and you don't even have to look down. You just walk up, you just jump. You don't have to sit there and go, okay, I think this is going to work. It's going to, I'm just telling you, as much as I want to do that, I promise you, I probably will either throw up or wet myself. If I were to walk up to the edge of that cliff and be like, all right, here we go, okay. Let me just get back here a little bit. All right, here we go, okay. And I would have to do that over and over. I know this about myself because I love to scuba dive. 
When I go on vacation, my wife wants there to be sand, water, and a surf, okay? I want a dock, a boat, and a tank, okay? Not like a howitzer, okay, but one that goes on my back. And I would prefer an extended tank so I can stay down there a little bit longer, okay? I'm an air hog, and if you've ever scooped it, you know what that means. But I want to do that, but it never fails. I put my mask on. I have my tank on, I have my big flippers on, I'm walking through the boat like, a, like an idiot with everybody else. I sit down on the edge of the boat. <sighs> you got this, you got this. Okay, I've got this in my mouth. I'm starting to go. <sighs> I'm not in the water yet. Why are you sucking all the air out of the tank? That's why I've got an extra tank. Okay, because I don't know what I'm doing. All right, and so I, I have to convince myself, even though I've paid all that money, to jump in the water. And I think the faith that Jesus is talking about, the mustard, the mustard seed faith, is the kind of faith that is inside of you and you don't even stop to consider. It just is, and you know it is. Like when you came in here, you did not walk around that chair and do like this and see if that chair would hold you up, did you? You walked in, flopped down, put your little tuchus right in that chair and didn't even give it a second thought because you had faith in that chair and your faith turned into action and you sat on the chair. Jesus is trying to get us to the place where we will begin to believe that He is God, that He is the Son of God, that what He did when He came down here healing people, praying over people, um, He did in His humanity, not His divinity. Because a perfect person, not a perfect God, a perfect person had to die for imperfect people. See? So he came down here as God, but interacted in his humanity, and often he would say, listen, I can call down a legion of angels if I want to right now, but I'm not going to do it. And he showed us, and he was our example on how to live. And yet he says to his disciples, after they've seen him do some of these things over and over and over again, you have such little faith at this time. Your belief is still pretty small. And I wonder, how's your faith? Do you believe enough to walk forward confidently? Can you step up and believe that you're there? I love when we interact with new people on the stage or when I'm interacting with somebody that I've been taking through a, teaching, or a preaching program and they get up here and they're like, oh man, I'm so nervous. I don't think I just like, no, no, no. When you stand up here, you need to understand you have the right to. You have the right to. When I do something in Jesus' name, I have the right to. I have the authority to. And I've got to begin not to just convince myself through, but I convince myself through action. I give myself a chance to allow God to work through me, whatever it might be. And it's absolutely wonderful. I love seeing when our kids are catching these things. I love seeing when things begin to unfold and happen. I love to see when, when people walk into a, a, their, their, their own faith, not their parents' faith, not my faith for them, but they walk into their own faith and they begin to act because they believe. They begin to make decisions. 20-some years ago, I was preaching a high, uh, excuse me, a high school um, conference up in northern Indiana, and a young man got saved. And I never know what happens to people as they leave. And it just so happens that a couple of months ago, he called me, clear out of the blue after 20-some years. 
He called me and he said, Pastor Joe, you probably don't remember me. This is who I am. And it's like, I remember who you are. You came forward at that meeting up at Shiloh Mennonite Church. He said, yes. He said, I'm down here in the Dominican Republic and I'm running this missions organization. I've got a wife and a couple of kids and I wonder, would you please come down here and speak um, to our missionaries for us? I love when somebody's faith turns into action and we see it begin to unfold. They go into the mission field because they believe it will make a difference. I love when a child invites another child to church because they believe in that invitation, that person will come. But as, as adults, we're like, oh, I don't know if, if I invite somebody. I don't know if they'll come. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if I should pray for them. I don't know how that's going to happen. I was with a friend of mine, and he was sharing with me his story, and he said he came upon an, ac an accident. It was a horrible accident. He said he was the first one there, and he got out. The person was in really bad shape, knelt down, laid his hands on him, and started praying. And I thought, yes, look at where he has come to because he believes that God is going to move in that man's life. I love seeing it take place. I remember being at work when I was a young Christian and not a pastor, and, and uh, somebody at work got hurt, and he knew I was a believer, and I went into the break room. And he said, Joe, come over here. I want you to pray for me. And I said, oh, dude, I'm going to pray for you, Marty. I'm going to pray for you. He said, no, I want you to pray for me right now. Put your hands on me and pray for me. I said, in front of all these people, out loud? He said, yes. And it was like, wow. Suddenly things began to turn. So what is it I want to share with you about our faith or our belief? Our faith here in the vineyard as we begin to continue to be a church and grow this community and we want to create a community has to be grounded in truth. It has to be grounded in truth. There's no other way around it. In John 6, 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. That's the truth. It was Jesus that said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. See, that's Jesus' understanding. And I wonder if your belief in God as you come in here, your belief in whether or not God will answer your prayers, I'm not saying give you what you want. Remember, if he's God, he has to be able to say no to us. Just like as parents, we, we have that place where it's entirely appropriate as, as parents that we have to say no to our children. They can't have something that might be detrimental to them, and they don't always understand how it will affect them. But it's got to be grounded in the truth. And Jesus makes this statement that we can trust the words of his mouth. And as we move forward, we're going to trust that we're going to build this church and this congregation. We're going to build it on truth. We're going to continue to say, what does the Bible say? about what the Bible says. When you open it up, what does the Scripture say about God? What does the Scripture say about Jesus? What does the Scripture say about the Holy Spirit? Your faith or belief, while it's grounded in truth, is grown in adversity. You know, we don't very often grow unless we're stretched. And there's always that stretching that hurts us just a little tiny bit. And it doesn't always have to be painful like, you know, I'm, I'm physically being hurt, but we don't like it emotionally or we don't like it relationally. And we're like, God, why do I have to do this? And nobody else has to go through this or experience this or it has to happen for them. Why do I have to? And, and there's just a place where we may not get the answer to a why. This week has been an absolute horrible, horrible week. And this week has been an absolutely wonderful week. At the beginning of this work week, somebody lost a child. 
And at the end of this week, last night, I got to perform somebody's wedding. And you know what? There's no whys. There's no answers. On this side of heaven, we don't understand everything. But we recognize that in the midst of adversity, when you and I are going through difficult times, when things are rough, that's when we're going to see whether or not we actually believe. When things get difficult, do we run away from God because God's not making it all comfortable, making it all easy, making it all what I want it to be? If God does not smooth the waters and just give me everything I want, then I don't believe he's God because clearly we have a belief system in, in, in our country, I'm, that's as far as I can go right now, that says that God only wants me to have everything that I want because that's what a good, good father does. He gives his children whatever they want. And when you, when you say, no, he doesn't, Pastor Joe, he doesn't, then why do we approach God with that mentality? that he only always says yes. We've got to recognize that sometimes God says, this isn't what I see is best for you. Do you want the life you're looking for, and can you trust me? And that's important. Paul says to the church in Rome, in Romans 5, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. When was the last time you took that to heart and said, today, God, I'm going to rejoice in the difficult situation that I go through? It was terrible today when all of that coffee spilled on my carpet in my office. It was hard. It doesn't compare to what's hard in other people's lives. But if you know how much I love coffee, if you just knew, it was there. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces. Suffering is not an end. Suffering is not awful. Suffering is not the worst thing that can happen because suffering actually produces something in our lives, and that's perseverance. It, suffering says stay at it. Suffering says don't give up. Suffering says I believe in God. I believe God knows what he's doing. I don't like where I am. I don't understand why I'm going through it, but I know God, and therefore I will stay here. Perseverance produces character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us. And I've been praying that more of you would have hope. Hope in your marriages, hope in your jobs, hope in your finances, hope in your circumstances, hope in whatever it is that you're going through. I've been saying, God, we want more hope. We need hope. God, we need you. But we need this hope. But hope does not disappoint us because God has been poured out, excuse me, God has been poured out, his, has then poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So our faith is grounded in truth. It has to be. And I'm telling you, when people come to me and say, we're going to continue to sin over here because we've talked to God and God's okay with it, their faith is not grounded in truth. They are on shaky soil. And if the enemy comes, I mean, excuse me, God comes back, the enemy's going to come and, and they're going to be lost. When they know what God says and they say, no, we don't prefer the truth, we prefer what allows us to do whatever we want. Our faith has to be grounded in truth. 
we've got to get to the place in maturity where we recognize that our faith is grown and we need to increase our faith the disciples said lord increase our faith we are challenged to increase our faith it's going to grow in adversity i wish that it wouldn't i would like to have more faith and no adversity that's that's the way i prefer it i would like to here it comes have more patience and no circumstances wherein i have to exercise patience see that's the way we approach it instead of recognizing that if i want to grow in something there's a chance that it's going to be difficult. And God wants that for us. But at the end of the day, faith has to be expressed in our, excuse me, our belief has to be expressed in our faith. It has to be. Or faith has to be expressed. We can turn it around and do it that way. It has to be. The faith that takes us up to the edge and says, I believe, Lord, has to be the faith that causes us to put our foot out there and follow after Jesus. The faith that had um, Peter saying, Lord, if that's you, call me out there to you, is the same faith that was born when he put his foot on the water before he knew the water would hold him, just because the Lord said, okay, come. See? Our faith has to take us somewhere. Our faith has to invite our, 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 our neighbor over to our house. We're in the art of neighboring. We're doing that as small group studies. Our faith has to be willing to reach out and see somebody across the coffee shop and say, you know what, I really believe like the Lord wants me to pray for that person. I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to walk over and say, listen, I, I'm really not a weird person. Um, that's kind of a lie, but um, I say it anyway. I'm really not a weird person, but I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for you. Could I please pray for you? And if they look you in the eye and say, no, go back over to your chair and pray for them. But I'll bet they'll give you a chance to do it. I've been turned down before. But I bet they'll give you a chance to do it because our faith is asking something of us. Your faith is asking you to surrender to Jesus. Your faith is asking you to step out into something that you never dreamed of doing. Your faith is inviting you to invite people to church. Your faith is inviting you to be the next Kim Mitchell up on the screen saying, I want to share my testimony of what it's meant for me to follow after Jesus here in this community of faith. But our faith is asking something of us. One of my college professors said that faith is taking God at his word and actingly, excuse me, acting accordingly and leaving the results in his hands. We leave the results in God's hand. The Apostles' Creed, because of my upbringing, became a very um, instrumental statement of what I believed. And then it became the very challenge of what I believed. We see it unfold, or we see it first in the fourth century, to Christian people trying to um, raise people up through discipleship, and they teach them this creed, and they teach them what this creed means, and before they'll baptism, or baptize them, those are the questions. Do you believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son? This became the testament of baptism in 390 A.D. is when we first see it come. But it's the symbolum apostolicum, if I can say that right. And it, what it means is the standalone of the apostles. This is their testimony to the world around them. This is what they stand and what they believe on. So when I'm asked what I believe, my brain goes back to I believe in God the Father. This is what it looks like. I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe 
in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the holy, little tiny c, Catholic Church. The unified church around the world is what that word Catholic means. The unified church. Okay? I believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the ever, life everlasting. Amen. I believe. I believe. I, remember, I memorized that as a, as a young man, 12, 13 years old, and, and I never took time to actually consider it until I became a Christian. Until I understood what it meant to walk with Jesus. And I began to ask myself, what is it that I believe that makes me make choices? And why do I care about people? And that's it right there. And then Rich Mullins put it to a song, and then Third Day played it again, and now the Vineyard worship team did it better than all of them. It's amazing. They're that good. But I want to invite you to read this with me. I want you to look at what it says. Because when we talk about faith and what we believe, there's a foundation for you and I to stop and say, if this is what we believe, then how are we going to act? But read this with me, if you would. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Little C Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The question is, can you own that? Can you own that statement? Jesus tell, excuse me, James, Jesus' brother, tells us that if we believe something, it demands action. In James chapter 1, he tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anybody that listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I want to live my life blessed in what I do and what God has called me to. What has God called you to? Because we come together every Sunday and we worship God. And I wonder if during the week you take for granted or if you recognize what you believe about God, about who He is and what He's trying to accomplish in our lives. Jesus said this, He said, Come to me, all you who weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my teaching, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My teaching is easy and what's expected of you in action is light. Simply love one another. Is what you're doing an expression of a belief system or is it duty and habit that has no bearing on your actions? I guess at the end of the day, what I'm, actually, what I'm asking you is, are you really a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you really a believer in Jesus Christ? And the truth of the matter is, only you can answer that question, and it only gets answered through our actions. Through our actions. Do we feed the hungry? Do we clothe the naked? Do 
we love the mean person down the street from us that hates our dog? Will we go out of our way? Will we serve? Will we apologize? Will we repent? Will we understand to do things God's way? That's what it means. That's what it means. And I would encourage you to stop and think that through. Because I promise you it's not about going to church. Although that is very, very important to Jesus' teaching. It's about being the church. Serving one another. Finding your place. And then reaching out to the people around you to show them that God loves them. God is not mad at them. God is not throwing rocks at them. And that's our part. I wonder if you've embraced the love of a God who wants you so desperately that he wants to put his arms around you and call you his own. That he didn't come down to beat you, to tell you you're not good enough. Like Kim told us, she thought she was cast aside because we just knew everything she did. God didn't say, get cleaned up and come to me. He said, come to me. Come to me. And that's the invitation this morning. Somewhere in your heart is a place for you to stop and say, what am I holding back from God? What am I not giving to God? And God wants you to come up here. We want to pray for you. That's all we want to do. We're not going to make you make announcements or anything like that. We just want to pray for you. You know that God is working on your heart. Sometimes you don't even know what he wants, but you know man that Holy Spirit has got his finger in there and you don't like it and it's uncomfortable and you feel like you've got to go up there but you don't know what you're going to say and it's like I and you go through all of that and you walk away without heaven being prayed down upon you without leaving whatever it is that you need to leave here this morning God wants to do something for you I can't make you believe that but your action will determine your answer so we're going to go into this closing song and these people will be here and more will appear if necessary to pray over us as a congregation as we cry out for revival and let the Holy Spirit have his way in us.